Hey, hey, this is Tracy Austin with Mental Fitness Matters. This show is designed to provide people with tips, strategies, and solutions to improve your mental fitness. This is Mental Fitness Matters. Hey, hey, you are listening to Mental Fitness Matters. I'm your host, Tracy Austin, and this show is designed to provide you guys with tips, strategies, and solutions to improving your mental fitness. Welcome back. Thank you guys for tuning in to part two of Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. So this is part two. Um, More than 700,000 people die by suicide every year. That's one person every 40 seconds. One person every 40 seconds. Death by suicide is a global crisis, and we need to open up the conversations, begin to talk about this and address the challenges and the issues that we see going on. The more we understand the issues concerning suicide and mental health, we can take part in suicide prevention, help others in crisis and change the conversation around mental health and suicide. On part one, so if you guys are just tuning in, if you missed part one, please go back to TracyAustin.com or download the Mental Fitness Matters podcast. Make sure you go back to part one where we focused on risk factors, warning signs, and we even talked about how our brain plays a big role in our thought process and decision making. And thanks to cutting edge technology and brain imaging, we can now see underactive overactive areas of the brain that can be leading people, uh, making them more susceptible to death by suicide. So make sure you go back and check out part one on today's show. I want to focus on now that we know the warning signs, now that we know the risk factors, what can we do to begin to remove the stigma and open up the conversation around mental health and stop suicide? We have a long way to go, but we have come a long way. Uh, Over the last few years, we are seeing more conversations, more headlines around mental health, self-care, stress, burnout, anxiety. And I truly believe, especially within this last few months, um, that athletes and celebrities are opening up more about their mental health. They're saying no and setting boundaries. They're even partnering now with mental health companies. um, And this is going to help push the conversations forward and bring forth resources for better access to care and better treatment options as it comes to people's mental health. Recently, um, Venus Williams, she announced her partnership with BetterHelp and the Women's Tennis Association to provide $2 million towards free therapy. This initiative will help fund one month of free therapy offered through BetterHelp Services. Um, Venus was quoted saying, the challenge of taking care of our mental health through the ups and downs of life is something that all of us, no matter our background, can relate to. And as you all may know, I don't know if you guys tuned into the Olympics, but there has been an increase in focus on mental health and therapy um, in the world of tennis recently. Naomi Osaka, she began speaking out more about her struggles with depression and anxiety. I think this is huge. This is huge. The more we have people on a larger platform talking about mental health, mental fitness, ways to reduce stress and take care of ourselves, I think it's going to bring forth this conversation and begin to normalize uh, that we're all human, right? We all have things that we're dealing with on a daily basis. So let's open up that conversation, talk about it so that we can begin to prevent suicide. When you think about celebrities and athletes and people on a larger scale talking about this, they're humans just like we are. 
So that just means no one's exempt from the challenges and the stressors that we're going to face in life. So we have to really come to grips with saying, you know what, let's talk about it. Let's do something and take action. Mental health is slowly getting the attention it deserves. And the question still remains how to remove the stigma and really start helping people before it's too late. That's where I want to focus on today for part two. What can we do in our own homes, in our communities, in our companies, in our friendships and relationships? What can we do to remove that stigma and start to open up this conversation? Number one, the very first thing that we can do and one of the barriers for people getting treatment is shame. The very first thing we need to really start to address is stopping the shame. We have to stop shaming people and putting a negative uh, meaning around people seeking help and mental support, asking for help, saying no, taking a break. It's okay. Um, A lot of people aren't speaking out and a lot of people aren't getting the help that they need because of fear of embarrassment. They're afraid of if they come out and speak about some of the things that are going on in their personal lives, how's that going to impact their career, their job, their social status, their relationships. And so when people are thinking about looking and seeking for supports, there's fear around that. And so that shame stops them from reaching out, from speaking up and from seeking the support that they need. And when it comes to shame, people that are struggling in silence, a lot of times intense feelings of shame can lead to anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, eating disorders, post-traumatic stress, excessive anger, feelings of loneliness and emptiness, and the one that we're talking about today, suicide. When we think about all these things piling up, when we think about people that are choosing to take their lives, it's not something that just happens in an instant. There's things going on underneath the surface. There's problems brewing. There's all of these emotions, the anxiety, the fear, the depression. There's mental health things happening underneath the surface that are not being addressed. And even if they are being addressed, they may be not be treated in the way that they should be. We talked about that some on part one. People that are getting mental health diagnosis, but their treatment has not been effective And so people aren't having these conversations, sharing and opening up about this. So shame can be a big cause of suicide. So we want to stop the shame. And so today I want to talk about how we can kind of combat shaming and really start to create an open space for people to start having these conversations, sharing how they feel and getting the help and the resources that they need. The very first thing that we have to do, guys, and that we all have control over is really starting to create a safe place. When I talk about creating safe places, I mean in our homes, in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces and environments, we want to start to create a safe place. If people don't feel safe, they won't share. If people don't feel safe, they won't share. So the first thing we have to do in order to create a safety for people to begin sharing and talking about these things or normalize the conversations, normalize how we feel, normalizing that we're all human and that it's okay to not be okay is where we need to start. We all have emotions, good days, bad days, somewhere in between. But if we're not even sure how to recognize how we're feeling, we're not going to know how to talk about or express on a deeper level. One of the first places that you guys have probably heard about sharing feelings or understanding what feelings are, think about when you were in elementary school, when they had those feelings chart, when you had to go through how you feel. When's the last time we've done that? As we get older, sometimes talking about your feelings can look down upon. You're weak. Sign of weakness. Suck it up. Get back out there. 
We're constantly being pushed and pushed and pushed when we're talking about competing on a higher level or just in your day to day. If you have a high performing job, high stress job, there's constantly demands that are placed on you. And so if you're not even sure how to acknowledge, number one, how you're feeling, recognizing what you're feeling, how are you supposed to then go forth and express and talk about that? So we have to first stop and pause and recognize that we're all humans We all have emotions. It's okay to not always feel happy. You're not going to be happy 100% of the time. You're going to be sad and frustrated. You're going to go through emotions and that's okay. It becomes a challenge when you're staying there. If you're stuck in these places of low points of depression and feeling like you're alone for longer periods of time, those may be indications that you might want to seek further support. But it's okay to feel it's okay to acknowledge how you're feeling and not have to be perfect. You know, we've gotten into this place where perfection is what people are striving for. And we don't even know what that even really means. What is perfection? My dad says this all the time. Progress, not perfection. We are striving for something that in the really in the midst of things is still never good enough. Think about the things that you got on your plate, the goals that you're setting for yourself. Once you reach that mile marker, you're on to something else. So the goal is not to be perfect, it's to really enjoy your journey and create happiness and well-being right where you are. So the first thing, guys, we have to do is begin to normalize how we feel. Give yourself permission to be human, allowing yourself time and permission to take breaks and to go through the processes of life. Um And if you've never really checked in with yourself or if you've never really had anybody check in with you, I want you to just take a moment and do that right now. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Just check in with yourself. How are you feeling in your mind? And what I mean by that is if you can think about are your thoughts racing? Do you feel at ease and at peace in your mental state? Or are you in a place where you're worrying about something that's coming up, worrying about something that you can't control? having a hundred thoughts per hour right now going on. You're trying to focus on this show and this program, but your mind is elsewhere. So just do a quick mental assessment for yourself. How am I doing in my mind? And if I had to place that as emoji icons, which emoji icon would I select for my mental state? Would I be on the happy face? Would I be on the frowny face? Or would I be like, blah, somewhere in the middle? Okay, so do a mental picture for yourself. Go through your thoughts right now and say, how am I doing mentally? My thoughts racing, having a hard time settling in, feeling at peace. Am I sad, sad or down or out about something or am I in a pretty good mental state? Then after you do that, check in with your body. The body keeps the score. That's an awesome book, by the way, but it's true. It's the body keeps the score. So do an assessment for yourself physically. Begin to identify how are you feeling in your body? Do you hold tension in your shoulder area, your trap muscles here? Are you holding tension in your jawline? Are you having headaches, tension headaches anywhere in your body that has pain right now? So just do a scan physically of how are you doing in your body? So begin to assess yourself again on that same emoji icon scale. What's your body feeling like? You tight, you're tense, or are you more loose and flexible and ready to go? Because this also, guys, gives you information about how you're doing. And then lastly, I want you to check in with your emotions and your spirit, the inner person of who you are. We're more than just this physical shell of who we see. Okay, so really do a deep dive into yourself in terms of how am I feeling emotionally? 
How am I feeling for my soul and my spirit right now? Is there anything going on that's disrupting that? Is my energy or vibration feel off? Or do I feel, again, pretty well and at peace, harmonized with who I am? So asking yourself these questions, give yourself permission to do a daily check-in. And if you've listened to this show before, I talk about these things often about checking in with yourself, being aware, your self-awareness is huge in terms of how you feel. So these are one of the things that you can do from a self perspective of checking in with you, because you may not have the luxury of people around you asking about you. You may be somebody in your life that's responsible for everything and everyone. So you're constantly checking in on others. So who's taking care of you? You may be in a field or a service that you're a service or self or self provider or a provider of other people and a service person. And so you're constantly making sure other people are okay. When's the last time someone has checked in on you? But most importantly, when's the last time you've checked in with yourself? Okay. Simple quick tip that you can do, do a self scan of how you're doing in your mind, how you're doing in your body, how you're doing in your spirit. And if any of those things are off, as you begin to check that, this will give you just a daily tracker of how you're doing. And if some days are seeming to kind of add up and you're not doing so well, you can use that as an indication of, you know what, maybe it might be time for me to get back to some of the basics, some of the things that help me feel better in my mind, some of the things that help me feel better in my body, some of the things that help me feel better in my spirit. Let me try those out, you know, see if that works to kind of help lift me up in those ways. If that doesn't work, that's okay too. It's all information. That's when you may want to seek outside resources, clinical mental health, licensed professionals are available to take care of your mental health needs. So really begin to do a daily tracker of how you feel, how you're performing. And if those things are seeming to be off, that's just information that you may need additional tools to get you back on track. It's okay. We're human. We all need tools and things in place. Okay. So next thing you got to know. As we're creating these spaces, so that's a way to begin to kind of create some space for yourself to be human, checking in with yourself. But we also have to do this in the workplace, guys. If you're an employer out there, if you're running a company and you have staff that are working up under you, we have to be responsible not only in taking care of the mental health and the mental fitness for ourselves, but we want to make sure that the people who are on the ground, boots on the ground are okay. They're out here in the trenches, so they may not have time to really take care of themselves. So it takes leaders eyes to really start to pay attention to what's going on and get people the support that they need. Um, I saw recently a couple of weeks ago, uh, LinkedIn, Bumble, Hootsuite and Nike. These are some of the major companies that closed their offices for a week in support of mental health and employee burnout. I thought that was huge. They closed their offices down for a week just to recognize and acknowledge that mental health was a priority. Um, one of the senior managers at Nike was quoted saying, this past year has been rough. We're all human and living through a traumatic event. But I'm hopeful that the empathy and grace we continue to show our teammates will have a positive impact on the culture of work moving forward. It's not just a week off for the team. It's an acknowledgement that we can prioritize mental health and still get work done. That's a powerful narrative. When we start to see bigger and bigger organizations and companies taking this step towards saying, hey, let's prioritize mental health and still get work done. This positions mental health, which it is, it's just as important as our physical health and well-being. 
So if you are at your job and, and working in a company and you're looking for additional tools and resources, it's okay to go in and speak to upper management about how do we start to create mental fitness solutions? So when I'm thinking about what we can do, a lot of times when we're talking about subjects like this, guys, it's in the form of a crisis. There's a crisis going on. People are committing suicide. Depression and anxiety rates are rising. So crisis mode. Now we want to act. I'm all about how do we create some preventative measures, preventative measures in taking care of our mind and our body. Just like you go to the gym to really help prevent illness and disease and to get a better quality of life. There will be a time where we're going to see mental fitness at the forefront in everything that we're doing. It's coming. It's on the rise. And and I and my companies will be a part of that solution. When we talk about prevention, I'm talking about mental fitness, creating avenues where mental fitness can show up in mainstream areas, whether that's in your school, whether that's at your job, whether that's in the gym. Instead of having to go and seek somebody for professional outside help, if you're not there yet, why don't we just start to create solutions and put them in place where it's just like, hey, you can go over here and begin to do some things called brain training and neurofeedback training, exercising your brain for peak performance. You can learn how to use your breathing and control your breath to really turn on your brain. You can begin to visualize yourself performing at a peak level. You can hear positive self-talk and messages encouraging you throughout your day where you're just working on mental wellness. It becomes part of your everyday life, your everyday fitness plan. Mental fitness is about having and maintaining a state of well-being and cultivating awareness of how we think, behave, and feel. Cultivating awareness. So when we're talking about what can we do, we all have a responsibility and we all have the ability to begin to prevent suicide. We're talking about ways that we can put strategies in place before people get to this burnout state, before people get to this place of hopelessness and loneliness, before people get into this darker silence of feeling like this is my only way. If we begin to show up in spaces and places, you begin as a company or corporation or a business leader, business leader. So if you're out there listening right now and you feel like your staff or your team or your employees or your school can benefit from a mental fitness solutions I want you to contact us. Mental Edge Fitness Solutions provides services that looks at your brain's performance. I talked about this a little bit on, on part one. Our brain has a big role in how we think, feel, and behave. And if our brain is not functioning in the way that it should, then sometimes we get into these low, dark places and poor decisions are made. But if we were starting to exercise and train our brain, just like a muscle, just like the other muscles in your body, how much more in shape could it be? How much more resilient could you be? How much more productive could your team and your staff become? How much happier could we all be? If we're taking care of ourselves, that's going to benefit them and your bottom line. So think about that. If we are working on every other part of who we are as humans, but we're forgetting one of the most important components, we're not really fully working on ourselves. And it is possible. There are resources, tools, and technologies out there that are available for mainstream use to help people perform at their best. And Mental Edge is a company on the leading edge of doing just that, bringing in resources and tools and strategies to help optimize your mental performance. So when you think about what can we do, we don't want to just think about this, guys, in crisis mode. We want to stop getting in, running behind this wheel here and trying to catch up and trying to figure it out. We have to start to get on the forefront of this. 
And now that the conversations are opening opening up on a bigger level, on a global scale, more and more people are talking about this, more and more people are sharing how they feel and their truths. It's time for us to put in training models that really just focus on that. Specialists that are focusing on your mental health and mental performance, that you can have access to some alternative services before it gets to a place where you may need additional treatment options. And if you need that, that's okay. That's okay. So think about we're all humans and we all have different needs. One workout plan that works for you, if somebody, if you're going to see a nutritionist or if you're on a weight loss plan or trying to gain more muscle, your customized training program is going to look different from the person beside you, or it should, because we're different people. The thing about mental training and mental fitness work, you're going to have customized programs based on your brain's neurophysiology. Your brain is like a thumbprint. It's unique to you. So how you treat and how you train your brain should be unique to you. And you can put in solutions and tools to help you feel at your best every single day. What you use today may not necessarily work tomorrow. So being able to adjust and adapt and figure out what works for you is key. That word that I said in the beginning of this was awareness, cultivating awareness. When you become more self-aware and beginning to understand what you are, who you are and what you need, you're going to be better equipped to handle the challenges of life. And that's what this is about. That's what this platform is about. When I'm talking about mental fitness, it's about being mentally fit to handle the challenges of life, not to remove yourself from the challenges of life or exempt you from that. It's going to happen. It's life. But being better equipped to go through those challenges because you are working and training on your mental muscle will put you in a much better position. And when we think about what we're seeing right now and what's going on and the numbers continuing to rise in this year that we're all coming through, we're not done with this global pandemic. We're not done with the fallout of the remnants that are going to be left behind when people are talking about burnout, stress and anxiety. When I think about our service providers, our nurses and our doctors and the people on the front line and people just getting up, going to work every single day in the middle of this, we have a lot of work to do. We haven't seen the the numbers of PTSD and stress and anxiety and depression and suicide. We haven't seen those really yet. So when we think about what we need to be doing now, we need to be talking about being mentally fit and getting some things in place to take care of the people that are taking care of us. But on an individual level, putting some things in place for yourself to take care of you. You are taking care of everyone else. Put yourself on the calendar. You deserve that. And you will be and operating at your best if you are taking care of yourself. Okay, so that in a nutshell, when we think about what we can begin to do, we can begin to open up these conversations by normalizing that we're all human, stopping the shame, allowing people an open space and a safe place to begin to talk about how they feel and their mental health. Creating a daily check-in for yourself because other people may not be checking in with you. Other people have other lives going on, so they may not necessarily have time to ask you how you're doing. So ask yourself. Don't have to depend on other people to ask you that. You start to ask yourself. And if you're not feeling like yourself, allow that to be information and feedback for you to go out and do what you need to do so that you can get back to you. The next thing we want to do is start to create an open place where mental fitness is the focus. That, yes, there are crisis response and crisis hotlines and places to go, but we want to start to talk about mental fitness. If we're not at that place where you feel like, you know what, 
don't quite feel like I need to go seek out uh, the help of a mental health provider yet. I don't necessarily think I'm looking at the medication management route. What are some other things I can do? Well, there's some things you can do. There are some training that you can take place with, with brain mapping and neurofeedback, breath work and visualization to really kind of start to optimize how you feel, improve your focus and get you performing at your peak. So seek out additional resources for yourself. If you are at a place where you are needing mental health support, there's resources available for that as well. So please visit TracyAustin.com where you can find additional tools and resources to take care of your mental health and the mental health of your loved ones, your team or your staff. If you're in a crisis right now, so if you're listening to this and you're like, yep, I'm beyond the mental fitness, the mental health piece, I'm in crisis mode and I need support now. There is a suicide prevention lifeline. 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. Make that phone call. Get the help you need and deserve, guys. We're going to continue to tackle this conversation about mental health and mental fitness. I appreciate my Mental Fitness Matters community for always tuning in. Share this message with you and your loved ones. I want my Mental Fitness Matters community to go out and shine bright like the stars that we are. Continue to take care of yourselves. I'll see y'all next week. Thank you for joining us.